Hello and welcome to Future Tech Chat. Every week on Future Chat, we sit down to talk about science and technology, with the discussion centered on a new and exciting topic in one of those two fields. My name is Robert Trell, and I'm joined, as usual, by my cousin Mike. We're just a couple of tech enthusiasts who love to learn and talk about the latest and greatest science and tech developments. I hope you're excited to join us today while we talk about Google 2.0. We're also extremely fortunate to be joined today by Nicholas Maddox, a man whose loyalty to our cause means he's here even though he's literally halfway through moving. Just a few of the topics we hope to cover this week are, what is Google 2.0? What are the best ways Google is looking to invest its billions of dollars in assets? And where should Google be going next? Join us as we jump headlong into the future of technology. It's going to be a very googly show. All right, guys. How are we doing today? Nick, how are you doing especially? <laughs> I'm very concerned. What's up? Well, regular viewers will remember that I was sick like two weeks ago. I'm sick again. Uh, I've got allergies because... This is just a thoroughly ridiculous place I live in, or I'm from, rather. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm also tired, so I just, I hate everything right now. Did you have coffee? I had three coffees today. Okay, so, like, on the low end. <laughs> well, Nick, we're going to change your outlook on this week. This we is going to be the highlight of your week. Uh, or it could go horribly wrong. It could go either way. Okay. Don't don't get his hopes too high. So I I was really excited when we when I mean I think I thought of this last week in the after show, but I'm really excited. I like Google 2.0. I I love the project that Google has. Like well, in their Project X, which is their original sort of big picture stuff, projects like Google Glass, projects. I think like a lot of their big stuff that they work on starts off as a lab or as a project that gets funding either from 20% time, which is another great program, or through one of these Google X projects. And so hearing that they're thinking even bigger and start going down a whole other letter in the alphabet to Google, Google Y is just super exciting to me. It's like tacking a zero onto... A whole other letter, guys. Yeah. That is the level of innovation that we are looking at right now. <laughs> See, here's the thing, though, is that they're only one letter away from running out of letters. Because they kind of put themselves behind with Google X, so... Then they start counting backwards. <laughs> to get maybe, w. Maybe, maybe they wrap, or maybe they wrap around to A once they hit Z. Maybe. Maybe they just go to Alpha. Oh, oh yeah, Greek. True. Yeah, you can go Greek. Yeah. At this point, though, I feel like with, with what we're going to talk about with Google Y projects, Google Z would be like the scope of the entire solar system, because they're talking pretty big picture stuff when... Even with Google X, they are talking pretty big picture, but Google Y is a whole other level. Yeah. Um, why don't you so, introduce a little bit about? Yeah. About so we don't know. We don't necessarily know a ton about it. So beyond what we do know, a lot of what I want this show to be is just speculating about other cool stuff they could do, or that they might already be doing, or things that just big things that Google has done that aren't necessarily part of any project, but that are just really cool and, and large scale. So speculation cast. <laughs> I feel like every podcast is just speculation about yeah. whatever topic. <laughs> I was gonna say that seems fairly regular. Stuff, but, oh. <laughs> so every article I could find about this story linked from a website called theinformation.com, uh, and that site had a paywall, so I didn't read the whole thing. <laughs> but 
But that being said, <laughs> all the other articles that wrote about this main article uh, did have that paywall removed, and so they got the whole article and they summarized it, which makes me feel good. Uh, that's what they're there for, to pr take <laughs> stuff that costs money and make it free. And so... Speaking of which, we're always accepting sponsorship uh, funding for this show, so... Absolutely are. Future shop, get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there are two main projects that, and although, they're again, they're huge projects, so talking about them sort of doesn't do them justice, but the two main projects that Google 2.0 or Google Y is, work, is supposed, supposedly working on uh, is building... The first one is a model city. So we'll start there and just discuss what kind of stuff could go into a Google model city or what kind of stuff you do you imagine that a Google model city would contain. And I'll start by saying Google Fiber is obviously a must. The entire city will be wired so that every home has Google Fiber straight to the to the actual, what do they call it? Uh, fiber to the home, I think, is the term where the fiber optic cable actually goes all the way right into the, like, like the entire way is, is fiber. Hmm. Which, again, getting like, I think they said it's a gigabit connection that you get with fiber with like the three or four cities that have it now in the States. Yeah. What do you, what do you, got, what would you guys do with gigabit internet connection? I would download all the things. <laughs> Literally download your own copy of the internet. Yeah. And just have I an offline have, copy. Yeah. I would have uh, much less lag in this connection right now. <laughs> yeah, Belleville is not exactly known for their internet connections. <laughs> They're not known for much. We're pretty much leading the way in teen pregnancy and serial killers right now. <laughs> I'm not making it up. No, you're not. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Nick has a very small dreams when it comes to fiber optic connection, but you would improve the entire city of Belleville would probably doesn't have a gigabit connection, and, and so you're just taking a very small piece of this right now. I don't know. The problem is I don't know that many of the residents of Belleville would know what to do with a gigabit connection, but well, exactly. details. Yeah. So, Nick, what would you, what would you uh, think would go in a Google model city? Uh, smart grid. And so Specifically, like, I imagine every house uh, just has solar panels all on one side. Has some, depending on the geography, some uh, wind turbines. But I imagine that is a smart electrical grid, which is capable of uh, absorbing excess generated energy and, you know, flipping back and forth when need be. Nice, that's a good, yeah, that also, would be, I definitely see that. Also self-driving electric cars. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There'd be no driven cars on the streets at all, it would just be little buggies yeah. automatically driving around. There'd be no accidents if that were the case, because they're all too smart to, to do anything wrong. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was driving through Toronto today. I was late, because Toronto is a thing. Um... <laughs> And I kept looking around and going, these people are idiots. If we just had smart cars, like all smart cars, we wouldn't have this traffic jam right now. Yeah. Do you mean smart cars in that they're small, like the little, or the or self-driving cars? Sorry, like uh, self-driving cars. Okay. Intelligent I feel like even smart cars would be, would be fine. <laughs> smart, smart cars would be the best. True. 
Uh, well, that's basically what the Google car is. It's because it's also very tiny and it has see, it's room for like two people, three people. Yeah, pretty Mike. much. Mike, what would you put in Google City? I think related to the smart grid system, I think if there's ever an opportunity to uh, do a proof of concept of solar freaking roadways, that would be that place. Yes. When you're starting from scratch without existing infrastructure, then it's like, by all means, put in your, your solar freaking roadways and see how they do. So I think that would be worth a shot, trying that out. Um, and then I'd also want, like, everywhere public Wi-Fi connections. So you, if you're, if you're talking about gigabit connection speeds, you may as well have public Wi-Fi everywhere, in especially public places, but just kind of being out and having Wi-Fi connections wherever you go. Nice, that's a good one. Yeah. May as well, if you're going to have if you're gonna have that kind of bandwidth, you may as well just go all out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe at that point, some technology like WiMAX would come along and so you could put... Huh. Yeah, that, that, I like that a lot. You could have just... Uh, not necessarily have to have um, routers every 100 feet or something, but you could have sort of blanket coverage with Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. That's another one of the Google X projects that everyone was talking about last year, the balloon internet. Maybe they could just deploy mm-hmm. some balloons. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Another thing I think that would go in a Google City would be hybrid buses for sure. Like there'd be a lot of public transit. I know that Google is obviously really big on uh, mass transportation because there's there's a whole big thing in San Francisco and and that area, Silicon Valley, where people are protesting these supposed these effete bus like Google buses, which really that doesn't sound that classy. It sounds like a normal sort of commute, but there'd be, so everything would be, I mean, obviously the buses would be wired up uh, to, like, their location would be online and everything, like, like there are, like, already exists here, but I'm trying to think of existing, of ways that the existing public transit systems that are good and are wired, like, that are smart, how that could be improved. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to know, like, well, actually, one of the things, one of the other parts of, of Google 2.0 was that Larry Page wanted to uh, do location tracking down to, like, inches. So, like, you would know not just within... Usually it's about 10 meters or so, up to maybe 50 feet. I don't know why I switched units there. But, uh, like, location tracking with cellular or with GPS is good, but it's not great. It would tell you, like, if you were in an open field, you'd be able to see a person if you tracked their location, but if they're, like, in a house, you wouldn't necessarily know which house they're in. Mm Mm-hmm. So it'd be cool to have like bus location tracking down to down to the inch or down to like within ten feet or something the, the length of a bus. And I imagine that if you had Google Fiber hooked up to the entire city, there'd be no latency at all in a transit app that was servicing that. And so you it would also keep updated. Like right now, if you're tracking your own location or if you're doing GP or if you're doing a navigation with GPS on your phone, it'll keep up with you. But it'd be cool to be able to watch a bus literally move down the highway or down whatever road. Mm-hmm. They had a version of that uh, in London, actually. You could get oh, yeah? an app that would show you, like, I mean, it wasn't down to the inch by any means, but uh, live updates on where it is through the street, basically. Yeah. pretty cool. The Calgary one has that, too, now. They've, they're putting GPS on other buses so that 
it announces to you when you get to certain stops, and you can log on to the whatever app that, that logs into that database Maybe. of GPS, I guess, yeah, that they can pull that GPS data off, and you can look to see where your message, your uh, your bus is. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, the I mean the 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 app that I use is called Transit, and it's got like a green yeah. sort of logo with squiggly line. Uh, it does. It tells you the location of the bus because they all have GPS, at least in Ottawa. But it's not super robust, and it doesn't really update. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of too. That we have. I use the transit one as well, and it's. Uh, I haven't used the GPS tracking feature yet, but. If uh, if I could also jump in with another feature of Google City. Yeah. I think uh, at what they should have at the uh, like the main hub of the city, like a city hall sort of thing, would be the studio for Future Chat. So we could just be freely feeding ideas to the masses, and uh, you know. So would this be like through megaphones type thing, like propaganda style, or? No, no. I imagine just like a straight up radio stool. A uh, radio studio with just a spectacular electronic setup. Oh yeah, and, yeah a twenty-five channel mixer. Even though we don't need that. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> just like max out the sweet, sultry tones of our voices. Yeah, That's there'd be a band. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. We could like have rotating bands. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Be, like Q with Gian Gomeshi. <laughs> Hi there. Happy Sunday. <laughs> and today on the podcast, we want to talk about uh, Jenkins. <laughs> Are you familiar with Gian Gomeshi and his Jenkins? I've heard of him, but I haven't listened to his podcast with any regularity. Have you heard about his Jenkins? No. He's a big Jenkins guy, apparently. Just a fan, or he wears them himself? He wears them himself. That's what I understand it. Fair enough. Reach his own. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Number one, Future Chat's broadcast studio. And probably just talk of jeggings. Okay. Everyone would have to be mandated, necessary requirement of uh, of clothing would be jeggings every day for every citizen. And of. The although the only, way, the only way I think that would work is if uh, Android phones are mandated, because clearly those jeggings are going to cause a problem for the iPhone 6 Plus. Absolutely. That is true. I'm That's not being sarcastic at all and agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah, no. It's funny, but it's not a joke. Straight as a board, and I wear the skinniest jeans. <laughs> so skinny. <laughs> That's not the plus, though. I, they, they actually, well, Consumer Reports did the bend test. They found this phone was actually had a lower bend point. No kidding. Oh, really? Oh. Yep. There you go. And it was uh, it was about the same as the HTC One M8. Yeah. So yeah. Obviously, if you get up to the Samsung thickness, you're gonna be a little bit more robust. They're uh, yeah. Build like a tank. <laughs> yeah, they they call it a feature, but it's not really. <laughs> so Mike, you had another. The that's the gaff, not the thickness, but. Um... <laughs> But no, I, I think it'd be cool, because I hear a lot recently, but I'm sure it's been working on for a while, but 
the uh, augmented reality progress that's being made with the Google Glass technology and how now they're working quite diligently on um, contextual notification slash information pop-up type thing. So if, if you look at a movie poster, it gives you like a trailer for it kind of thing, or it offers you a trailer for it, I should say. Um, so I think you'd kind of have a similar thing in a Google city where everyone has you know their standard issue, Google Glass, and just wherever you look, it kind of gives, like, if you look at a bus stop, it gives you, like, a list of bus times. Or if you look at, I don't know, a restaurant, it gives you, like, Yelp reviews or that kind of thing, right? Like, I think it would be kind of kind of cool to have that type of technology where it can recognize everything in the city and give you information on whatever it is you're looking at. Hmm. That would be spectacular. Well, the problem that I see with that, and it's not necessarily a big problem because it's just a matter of iterating Google, Google Glass, but... Uh, Actually, side note, before I talk too much about that, Google Glass finally got through the Canadian Communications Commission. I don't know what the acronym is. So uh, they're probably going to start selling it in Canada soon. <laughs> but uh, I haven't I haven't worn it, but when I see it, like it's it's a tiny square in sort of in the side corner of your vision, which wouldn't necessarily like it wouldn't give you an overlay. It would it's sort of out of the way. What I would want is something that. When I wanted it, or when I didn't want it, it would be transparent. But when mm-hmm. I wanted it, it would sort of overlay everything. What about like a HUD? Like a yeah, I was gonna display. say, yeah, like heads-up display, yeah. I could just walk around with an Oculus Rift with a camera <laughs> on the front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or an Iron Man suit. I mean, that would work. I <laughs> do. <laughs> or at least oh, the Iron Man helmet. Rob with his reasonable expectations. Well, when they did the, uh, and I don't know if you guys watched Iron Man 3, but I watched it several times. Uh, Was that the one with of, all the robots? Yeah. Most of the movie, he's not actually in the suit when he's doing stuff, and he's just got the, like, it's sort of Google Glass type thing, but he's still mm-hmm. controlling them, and they show his face, and it's, He's got the same display, so obviously the technology is yeah. there. It just needs to be engineered. Yeah, I remember Which that shook me out so much in the movie because they showed him like controlling the the suit, and then the suit got like run over or something. I'm like, oh my god, he died! Uh, and then it like went to him like out of the suit. I'm like, whoa, crazy! Yeah, like I, I feel like that. Just in a in a complete tangent, I feel like that is a very bad feature. Like this most updated suit just falls apart at the slightest <laughs> inclination. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's why I wasn't wearing it at this time. Yeah, he picked that suit specifically for this movie because it was going to get destroyed a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, and can you think of any interesting feet? I I thought uh, was it? And now I'm getting confused. Is it Apple or Google who bought Nest? Google. Okay, good. That's that was what I had in my mind. But for some reason, I was like, ah, uh, Nest is like prominent in the Apple Store. Maybe. What's but, Nest? Uh, yeah, and so Smart I feel like app? every yeah, every home would be equipped with Nest Protect, which is the carbon monoxide detector slash uh, thermometer or thermostat. Oh. Oh man, it's I want a Nest Protect so bad. I got all this carbon monoxide in my house, and I don't know how much there is. Probably <laughs> 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 not, not very much because I'm still okay. But <laughs> do you not like? Do you not have any friends in the analytical department? I there's a carbon monoxide detector in my house. It's just not wired up to just, my phone. No, like just 
get a syringe, fill it with air, and take it in. I'm sure you can run the GC. <laughs> Scott, I don't... that's how you would figure it out. Sharon Curtis, if you were listening, if you're... please, <laughs> I, need to, I need a test. I think the purpose is if your gas furnace starts seeping carbon monoxide. Yeah. And then... It's a good thing that we don't have a gas furnace. Use water heating. Um, but another, this sort of gets me thinking into the Google product thing. Every TV would have, was it, is it Google TV or Chrome TV or Android TV that the platform that they announced, it's sort of like Chromecast but built in? Yeah. So all the TVs would have that, obviously. Um, I think, what do you guys think? I want to know your opinion because I know mine, but I'm always, I'm often biased. Would this require a Google Plus account to live in a city? Yes. Yes. Good. <laughs> I'm glad we all agree, because I don't know if you heard, this is off topic, but still on Google. Hold on, hold on. Citywide Facebook fan? <laughs> uh, you could, okay, maybe you could choose. I don't mind if people don't want to use Google Plus, because they're usually people I don't necessarily want to communicate with anyways. <laughs> Burn! <laughs> I mean, it's if you alienating any of so our if you want yeah. If you no, if you no want to know who Rob values as friends, just check his Google Plus page, and those are those. We gained a viewer just from me saying that. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Facebook. Our, okay, it's obvious that people on Google there, Plus are more. On, there, there is an applause button down there, dear viewer. People on <laughs> on um, Facebook are obviously not as engaged and bright as people on Google+, because <laughs> we have at least three times as many followers on Google+. And I think it is a deficiency in Facebook's branding and page reach and all of that stuff that means And the that... quality of character of the user. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for pointing that out so, so eloquently, Nick. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> but yes, there but, was, what I wanted to say, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get that, but uh, there was a big thing recently about how Google now, as of last week or whenever this came out, doesn't require a Google Plus account when you sign up for uh, Gmail or, or a Google account. And that's just not true. You don't need a Google Plus account when you sign up for a Gmail account. The Future Chats Gmail account doesn't have a Google Plus account and never did. You don't need one. You never needed one. Hmm. For YouTube, you did. And for, uh, what was the other one? Is that it? Just YouTube? I think yeah. just YouTube needed the Google Plus account. Yeah. Keep talking. I'm going to be right back. Okay. Even then, I don't think you needed one. <laughs> Way to mute. Wait. <laughs> never. Um, I don't think we ever needed one. Let's just hide them from the conversation <laughs> for now. Um, I think you needed you needed one so briefly that it didn't even matter because they backpedaled and said, all right, all right, you can keep your YouTube account. I don't think that ever was really a big issue. What do, what do you think, Mike? Did, yeah. On the mandatory Google Plus account... I always yeah, I think you'd want at least everyone to have a Google account or some sort of identifier for 
their address slash residence to link everything together. Yeah. And I think that's part of the beauty of Google's ecosystem to begin with is that everything's linked through the Google identity. Um, and I think it kind of goes back to that Google Plus is trying to become more of your Google identity versus a social network that yeah. also happens to allow social networking. Um, but, yeah, no, I think everyone should have at least a Google account. And back to what we were saying before, yeah, you never, I don't think that, I don't remember a point where you needed a Google Plus account. You could always activate it from your Google account. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, for YouTube, they may have required it for a short period of time. But For a short period of time when you were signing up for a new account, but I still think that you can, I still think you can do it. Um, <laughs> Nick, <laughs> if, you, if you must know, my microphone cord runs across the top of my keyboard, and so I can't reach the apostrophe because it's being covered by a wire. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Grammar Nazis, in the chat. <laughs> no problem. I just messed right up. Yep, it was me. Yeah. So the interesting thing is when it comes to needing a Google Plus account for to live in the Google City, you I, I'm pretty sure you need a Google account to sign up for Google Fiber, so you kind of have to. But I imagine that anyone that would want to live in the city would already be on board with the Google Plus account and would already be interested in having one. Yeah, I feel like that would kind of. I feel like you could explore so much functionality with the Google Plus account, like yeah. in the Google City, like Foursquare, but Googly. I don't know. There is Google Plus locations, which is really good. I don't know, like track sign-ins at a coffee shop or something like that. Your tenth coffee is free when you sign in ten times. I don't know. Yeah. I love Google and also coffee. <laughs> Mike? I think, I think you definitely want a biometric identifier system for not only linking to your Google account because you know in the future you're not going to have passwords you're going to have some other form of security, um, and then I think with the you know say like credit card type system it'll all be linked through you know like a thumbprint or eye scan or something like that at all your vendors you'd have some sort of way to, to bill your bill through that. Yeah, yeah. Retinal scanning would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm forever hurting cool. myself and screwing up my fingerprints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the interesting thing about that on fingerprints, and I made a video about my 5S not registering my fingerprint, the iPhone 6 has been perfect. So they made huge improvements to Touch ID because my fingerprints are notoriously terrible. And if, like it's fine, <laughs> I'm pretty happy. The only, the only problem I think you'd run into with like a retinal scanner or something like that is if you're crying. It's like, <laughs> Why can't I buy anything today? That like scans, <laughs> we can't scan your retina. Oh god, it's getting worse. <laughs> the other interesting thing that maybe we could talk about is. On, like uh, it, I've been thinking about a lot recently about biometrics since this Touch ID thing, and I started to think, what are what's a good way to to like show that you're you by some thing that is uniquely you, but that also can't be copied, and it's really tough. And like 
I mean, obviously, if, I think if we get even if we get like a DNA tester that works instantly, you could still just take a piece of someone and it would have their DNA. So I was thinking because there's a whole thing about Hey Siri when iOS Day came out that people would be listening to podcasts or listening to something and the podcast would say, hey, Siri, because they're talking about this functionality, and a bunch of people's iPhones would light up. And yeah. one show that I listened to actually, all, apparently they almost managed to send text messages to people's mothers because they dictated what you would say to send a text message and with perfect, like, with the amount of breaks and stuff. And apparently they, like, they were really close, and people were, like, watching and, like, had to cancel it to make sure it didn't actually go out. Yeah. Um, and so I started yeah. thinking about better ways to do that and because a voice print is something that's easy to copy if you have a high quality recording of someone like if you if you had but if you had to say maybe a specific phrase in a specific voice it would be hard but then again you sort of get back to the same thing where someone would just have to hear you saying it and record it and then they would have it so it's tough it actually yeah, takes it, you into a virtual reality and then you then asks you to give away your deepest darkest secret <laughs> It's like, ah, yes, I'll never tell anyone my password because no one can ever know. <laughs> uh, is there a better way? I, I can't... I don't actually think so. Because if you get to a point where you have an impenetrable login system, when if you're gone or whatever, if you're gone or, like, if, you, if it's thumbprints or whatever, if it's a really, really good thumbprint that only works with a live finger, if you die, nobody can get in. <laughs> So what, like what, what's a better system? What can we possibly do that's be- that would co- could could completely replace the password with a biometric uh, scanner of some kind? Other Is there anything? Virtual reality, deepest darkest oh. secret. But again, then you have to reveal. Like, would you do it through brainwaves, or you have to reveal it through a brainwave every time? I assume brainwaves. Like, think about your your deepest, darkest secret every day when I you're know, For whatever in. reason, I assume when you're in virtual reality, you're paralyzed for whatever reason, so you wouldn't actually, like, say it. You'd just dream it. <laughs> so we're thinking some pretty advanced technology here. We're thinking bra- brainwave readers. This is future chat. We discuss the future. True. So, like, 2050 or so, <laughs> we probably have that. <laughs> 2100 latest. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Bold predictions. Let's move on, because we've talked about the model city, and another aspect of Google 2.0 is the concept of redesigning or building their uh, Google Airport, just an airport that's designed with, by the principles of Google engineers and the best minds of Google. And I assume that would go alongside or right next to the Google City or be incorporated into the Google City. If, if you're building it all at once and it turns out that's the best way to do it, then why not? Um, so maybe we'll do this again. What do you guys think would go, would be a cool feature of an airport that is sort of Google-y? Self-driving planes. <laughs> that's already a thing. Don't, <laughs> we don't need to do that. They can't take off and land. They absolutely can take off and land. Can they, actually? You put someone in there to make people feel better, just like trains, like us. Uh, light rail trains, but yeah, they can they can absolutely fly themselves. It's probably safer to have a, a computer flying it than it is to have a person. Yeah, people are idiots. Yeah, at least in the and, and this is the hard thing. Another hard thing that is 
that is facing Google. Phrasing. <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, another thing that is facing Google is the fact that when you have human error, it's understood. Like, pe- humans make mistakes. We know that there are car accidents, there are plane accidents, there are train accidents that are caused by human error. But when you have a computer that's making these quote-unquote decisions, there's no human that's at fault. Like, who do you blame the engineer that programmed it? If there's a plane crash because some algorithm caused it to do something slightly wrong and then it crashed, like, who do you, how do you, blame, who do you blame for that? Who gets sued? What happens? It's kind of weird. The algorithm. Yeah. If the, pro- if the plane gets put into an infinite loop of coasting over New York City, the, the only person to blame would be the programmer. How else do you... They left, like, a broken piece of their code, like... No, but what it came... No, no, no. I, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, obviously, those kinds of bugs would be the designer's fault. But what if there was a breeze or something and, like, you hit an edge case that no, like, years of testing, like, a hundred years of testing never found, and you can't, like, the plane can't cope, can't can't react in time or in the proper way to write itself or save itself or whatever the case may be. Can you really, like, if what if the designer's dead? Do you sue the company that he worked for? Like, how, how can you possibly handle that? Yeah. Or, like, if it's you know, wild speculation into the legal system here. I think it depends on uh, whether it's considered reasonable for the for the designers to have taken that into account. Yeah, I get that. Mike? Yeah. I think with every... Risk analysis is obviously, like, a huge thing in corporate birth. <laughs> um, <Yep. laughs> So, you know, like, to say, you know, it's an edge probability, like, the point is it's still a probability. There's still a chance that anything real- realistically could happen. So, you know, I think you'd almost have to go to the point of, you know, when people use a service or a device that's completely automated or designed by an engineer and there's no human controlling it, you have to sign a waiver before using it saying that you won't hold whoever responsible that, you know, it's at your own risk kind of thing. And then people just get used to signing waivers every time they get on a bus because well, they, or they'll buy a bus pass and sign a waiver to, to say that they're not going to hold, you know, Google accountable for any accidents that happen. It's right. actually I mean, included in, like, the Google Plus terms of service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't do that, Google. If you're thinking about it, don't. <laughs> no, no, it's in the car of Pramata. They can't be evil. There's no way they could. It's sort of like uh, we've all gotten used to just not even reading the end-user license agreements for software. Yeah. You just sort of blindly... If you have to scroll to the bottom, you scroll to the bottom and then click OK, or you just click OK. Yeah. Because... I'm, and there's actually... I think there's legal precedent now that if there's legal leads in that document and you didn't read it and you just blindly signed, you're still not culpable for it. <laughs> Because yeah. we know we're that lazy a society that you can't, like, those terms that are in this legally binding thing aren't legally binding anymore because it's not reasonable to expect yeah. people to read all that, which yeah. I think is hilarious. Um, I'm going to drop an ethics bomb on you guys. What if you have two algorithms that are fighting it out 
and they have to decide the car that has two people in it or if they're going to save the bus that has a bunch of kids on it. And one of the, like, there's going to be a crash. What do you, who do you protect? Do you, do you save the number? Like, do, does the family of the two people in the car that get, quote-unquote, like, basically sacrificed, do they have a legal ground to be like, well, you caused us damages? I say you kill everyone. That way... <laughs> No one can complain about being spared. That's the worst the possible answer. <laughs> that way nobody's well, alive to complain. You can't save everyone, so what's the what's the next fairest thing? Why even bother trying to save anyone, honestly? <laughs> the end of Spider-Man 1, he, like, drops both and he just starts peeling a banana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well... If if the concern is people complaining about not being saved and instead of busload of kids being saved, it's like fine, we'll let everyone die. You know, it's like you can't win. The, if Jeez. there's an imminent crash detected by two, on two cars simultaneously, they both just deactivate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Like, I think. What? What? How would that happen, Rob? If, let's say there's if there's a. Like, two cars, let's put it on a precarious... It's like a Google of... car and an Apple bus, and they just have this, like, adversarial <laughs> no. relationship? No, 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 there are two Google car and a Google bus, and they're driving on, let, let's, for the sake of this argument, they're on a cliff, like, on a regular highway that borders a cliff. No, 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 that's... And then, no, Nick, I'm, that's a perfectly I'm reasonable situation. Is it? Is it ever... It happens in every movie ever, especially Bond well, movies. Well, yeah, and movies are based on real life, so. So continue. Let's. Yeah, yeah. So they're on a cliff. It's it's a very well, it's a very sturdy rail. It's Good. up to standard and everything. Right. There are, let's say, less than ideal conditions. There may be ice on this on the road, or an oil slick. Something that the algorithm, there's no way the algorithm could have known about. And so the car, or one of the, like the car goes sliding across into the other lane. And uh, there's no way the other car could have seen, could have predicted the slide. And so the collision is imminent when it's too late to do anything about it. And does does the car, if the car can steer out of the crash in the, in the way that it protects its passengers, but sacrifices, like, it's a tough thing to, to put into words because you have to sort of infer that software is advanced enough to know how to get out of the situation enough to save one group, but know that the moral implication is the other group is not going to be saved. So you have to pretend it's advanced, but not so advanced that it could just be like, no, it's fine. So in that, in that middle world where it is advanced enough to, to have to decide if it's going to save this one car or the bus that is being put into harm's way, what do you do? That's that's the argument, basically. So, Mike, did you have anything to say on that? I'll let you give your take on it. No, there's... What, I think what you're asking is very, uh, very closely related to a psychological problem, and I think it's called, like, the fat man or something like that. And the idea is that you're coming up to a train junction, but 
the rail lines need to be switched or something like that, and they're not. So a train is hurtling down the tracks, and everyone's going to die. Mm-hmm. But you're on top of an overpass, and there's a very, very, very fat man in your way, such that in the ter- or in the scope of this problem, if you push that fat man onto the tracks, he will die. He'll be hit by the train, but he will stop the train and save everybody on board. I, and I've heard... <laughs> I've heard a much less morbid version of this, where there's a there's a track switch, and you see that it's careening towards five people, and they're on yeah. there are five people on the tracks, and on the other switch that it could go to, there's one person. And well, there are a lot of there are a lot of variations to yeah. the problem. Yeah. Well, like, most people would agree that yes, you should sacrifice one to save many. But when you ask them, would you push that fat man to his death, a lot of people will say, well, no, because they'd be murdering someone. But what's interesting is the more levels of abstraction you add, so like if you can pull a lever to release a trap door to, put the, to have the fat man fall to his death, more people will do it. Interesting. <laughs> because they're not actually like shoving him, they're just pulling a switch. So but, like at uh, the start of an OK Go video... You, <laughs> you just flick a nickel or something across a, <laughs> a yeah, space. Yeah, the start of an OK Go commercial, most people would just kill the fat man just to see the, what do you call that machine? <laughs> the Goldberg machine. The Gold, yeah. Rube Goldberg machine. Did you guys Wouldn't know... would you kill a fat man to watch a Rube Goldberg machine, <laughs> Rob? Especially if it was going to save many. Well, eventually, I mean, there's four minutes of entertainment first. And then... <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy <laughs> in first year I TA'd a guy named Ruben Goldberg and he was my best friend for those lab <laughs> sessions He's, his name is literally Rube Goldberg it was so cool yeah, that's pretty awesome <laughs> uh, but anyways but yeah uh, like how does how, you, like it's hard for people to make that choice so how do you say an algorithm makes that choice well, exactly, and the algorithm would have to be programmed, if, in those cases, it would have to be programmed to either save the one or save the five. You can't have, like, a, what is the net con- contribution to society of the five versus the one? Like, you can't, you can't do that. Okay, here's, here's, here's a better option than killing everyone, okay? How about you let it be in the hands of... Let it be in the hands of chance. So between the two vehicles hurtling towards each other, they do some sort of random choosing algorithm, and then whatever one wins, that one is saved. And then you can't complain because, like, well, lost that one. Better luck next time, I guess. Heads or tails, right? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Like, I don't know. So what you're, what you're suggesting, Mike, is that we introduce a little chaos, upset the established order. Oh no. <laughs> what, if, what if you put the railroad switch halfway in between so that the train jumped the tracks <laughs> and only the conductor died? <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it's not a passenger train. I think ideally, like, they're... They're all self-driving cars, so they shouldn't be having accidents in the first place. True. We're switching Ideally. back and forth and train the car here. <laughs> and we're 
we're on a tangent from airports. So are there any other interesting things about airports that you think might do for a, a redesign or an update or again I think we could have blanket Wi-Fi there I think better than <laughs> current airport Wi-Fi how about every plane every every flight has a luggage plane and a passenger plane so that all your luggage gets loaded on all your people get loaded on so you're not waiting for luggage to get loaded you're not waiting in the terminal for your luggage to come off like it's all just your luggage gets sent off, and you go on your plane, and it's there when you get there. I like that. In theory, you could have a, pa- or a, a luggage plane go faster than a passenger plane. That seems oh. expensive, though. Unless you're doing the luggage for several flights. Yeah, kind of like a delivery route. Okay, yeah. I, the the logistics of that seem like something Google might be able to handle, but I don't know. That's if people are okay with their luggage arriving like within a couple hours of their arrival, but then but then it, like, no, but see it, the the luggage gets delivered by drones once it gets to the location. Oh. so you're not actually hanging you're not hanging around the airport. It gets delivered to the location that you're going to be staying at. Now, do you pay for this feature, or do you get a discount if you use this feature? It's, it's part of the property taxes of living in Google City. Oh, okay. But there's no destination. How, like, how would the, every airport need to be involved in this? Every airport Google flew to? No. Just Google uh, no. <laughs> no, you're wrong. <laughs> no, no, not an issue. No. <laughs> uh, can I jump in with another improvement? Yeah. I think if you could integrate Google Glass with, you know, what gate and things like that you need to go to. It definitely already is. Like, if you could see, like, a superimposed <laughs> uh, green arrow for where you need to go. That's in like, the advertisement for Google Glass. Oh, is it actually? <laughs> yeah. what, if, what if you say, like, all of a sudden, you know, once in a blue moon it might happen due to weather, but your flight's delayed, and then you're like... Okay, Google. I need a drink. Like, oh, and that could be facilitated in the airport via drones or no, wait. <laughs> booze drones, <laughs> drunkening drones. Are you saying that we should have bars in airports? I'm saying that we should have like liquor delivered to the gate when you realize that. Uh, that your flight's been delayed because we could all use a drink when that happens. That's true. I feel maybe we could talk just about how Google could bring down the cost of. I don't know sure. what it is that makes imported beer so expensive at an airport because that's the first place it goes when it arrives in <laughs> Ottawa. It comes through the airport. Why is it so expensive? Do they ship beer via air though? Oh, they ship beer via air. How else are we going to get it here? Cargo I don't know why that was so slurred. <laughs> I was going to say, like, cargo ship and then freight rail? Yeah. That'd be my guess. It's all shaken up. Well, you don't open it right away. Did you, does it boat overseas? I would assume so. That sounds horrible. A lot oh. of stuff gets shipped overseas. Oh, wait, overseas. no, no, no. Um, uh... I know things about beer. 
Surprising, <laughs> no. Um, no, they, uh, it's, it's usually licensed within the country or the continent. Especially now that everything's owned by, like, a handful of mm -hmm. corporations. So, like, InBev will cross-license their products. So, examples... Say, like, Molson Coors. Now I think all the Molson factories are capable of brewing Coors Light in their factories, so you have a closer uh, a closer supply to market. Interesting. So you don't actually have to transport it all that far. Is that the case for all imported beers? Because that would just mean nothing's really imported. Uh, per se. As I understand it, like that's why Guinness is so much better at St. James Gate than here. So, doesn't every bottle or can or whatever of Guinness say brewed in Dublin? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because I, I know I check that. When when something claims to be imported, I'll look at it just to see. And then... It's like, see. oh, this was brewed right outside your if door. It says that it's like... Brewed in Dublin. It's like, technically they're not wrong. They do brew it in Dublin. <laughs> that could be the case. I that We should we should have a follow-up. We should. We should have an episode of Future Chat where we just take all our needless conjectures and actually <laughs> fact-check them. That, if anyone ever called us out on it, we would follow up, but nobody so far has, has proven <laughs> us wrong. That would require people to watch and listen. <laughs> they do that. That happens. Um, I don't I'm being serious you. when I say that happens. <laughs> I've got the numbers. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, any, anything else on airports? We're, we're coming up to an hour here. Google would have a brewery at the airport. Bruegel. Goo-brew. <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> Beer-gul. Beer goggles, glass. No. Beer glass. <laughs> so many bad names for these products. Oh, oh, the other thing uh, they should have is the actual, like, coffee thing. They did this in April Fool's this year. What do they call that? Probably just Google coffee. I didn't really yeah. pay attention because I don't drink coffee. They had, like, yet. a coffee spout in every home. Oh, yeah. Was it, like, on the front of the fridge, or was it just, like, came no. out of the countertop? It, it came out, like, right beside the, uh, the, like, fiber optic uplink. No. Literally coffee to the home. Did you not see this? It was, like, the greatest April Fool's thing this I year. I saw it, but I didn't care because I don't drink coffee, so I didn't, like, I wasn't in on the joke. Like, wouldn't it be Rob, great? No, I really wouldn't. I wouldn't care. Rob, you know what? I would like to hear more of your thoughts on this, and I've been perfectly clear about I that. Know. I know. I'm aware, Nick. You are the best person alive, and so... No. You save this for Ask Rob number three. I know. I'm going to address your question. Don't worry. I will address both of your questions. But <laughs> both I know of... you're, you're actually going to answer mine. <laughs> both of both of your questions. <laughs> what was my second one? You asked me something about a babby. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you, you, you already answered that one. You answered know. that in the first episode. I know. In the in the zeroth episode. Yeah. 
It was pre pre answered. Yeah. <laughs> is is there anything else on airports here? Because no. those are the two main Google Y projects. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't I didn't think there's anything about airports that was worthy of that much focus and investment. I think there's a lot you could do with sort of narrowing the number of gates or the number of uh, the number of just terminals in airports. Like Ottawa has an international carts. airport. Sorry? Self-driving golf carts to like ferry people around. That'd be cool. I think it'd um, be great. Yeah. But, uh, so Ottawa's airport only has like 25 to 30 uh, gates. And it's an international airport. It does lots of business. But th there are airports that I mean, obviously, they are bigger hubs, but they just have these sprawling campuses with, like, five terminals and their monorails to get around. I just feel like you could, t in terms of efficiency, you could plan to have to do the same work with fewer gates. Yeah. So, like, all gates would be full almost all the time. Well, see, Google just needs to contract out its employees to these airports to kind of do some sort of consulting on their logistics. And then once anyone who has some familiarity with optimization of flow and that kind of thing, they'd be like, what are you guys doing? And then they'd be the one to focus on optimizing that. I don't think you need to invest a bunch of money into developing a new airport. I guess. So but, I just apply Aizen 5S kind of philosophy you're saying, Mike? What's that? Kaizen or 5S apply to the airports, not necessarily just Google or... Just... People who know what they're doing look at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> do Google employees know airports? Apparently, they're looking at it right now. So no, but I feel like they should build a model one first to make sure they get it, and then you don't need to reinvent the airport though. Just have someone look at the logistics. I don't know. I guess it doesn't have to be large scale. I guess you could look at it and sort of yeah, bite size. Just like get it done. Just, just do it. Done. Well, it's like it's like how who is it? Southwest. They have the choose your own seat boarding, and they have like you just go and pick a seat. Like you don't have pre-assigned boarding, and that's apparently the optimal way to board a plane in the least amount of time. To do it randomly, yeah. Yeah. So it's like just something small like that, and that saved them however millions of dollars in in wasted time and delays. So it was like I don't know, small things like that. Yeah. Okay. Is, should we do is it after show time? Should we talk about the future of Google a bit for an, for after? Let's do it. Comfortable with that? All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week to Future Chat. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. There's no real point in liking us on Facebook, but go ahead if you want. You'll see, like, 10% of our posts uh, basically, we put everything that we do up there, but nobody really cares about it because Facebook is the worst. And, uh, yeah. Anything else you guys want to add last minute? <laughs> I feel like yeah, I cool. cover most of it, right? <laughs> this episode of Future Chat, not sponsored by Facebook. Not at all. The op what's the opposite of sponsored? <laughs> like, they're going to buy us out, a la Bill Gates. <laughs> in, in The Simpsons. <laughs> All right, show's over. Mute it up. Bye. Bye, everyone.
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 24 of Future Tech Chat. We really enjoyed having you here and look forward to seeing you next week for Future SciChat. This gets less and less painless the more I do it. Less and less painless? Or? Did that seem more seamless than last time? I know the, the time before that was terrible, but... <laughs> is it is it improving, or is it staying the exact same? <laughs> Are we talking about just the transition, or what? The transition, because the first time I did it, there was about like three or four seconds of black, and it just was... I think Nick's audio cut out really quickly. Nick's audio cut out? I don't know, he said bye, but it was like, bye. And then it oh, like, I actually it. clicked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Mike. Yes. Most of your notes here are going to go in the after show because we didn't get around <laughs> the first time talking about Google's inv investment and what else they should do. And yeah. so, uh, by all means, what uh, what do you think? When you think about the future of Google, what should they be doing with all their massive, massive profits? I think they're heading in the right direction. I think I think it would be worth involving the public a la crowdfunding campaign type things, but it wouldn't be crowdfunding, it would just be crowdsourcing ideas. Or kind of saying like, you know, what does what does the public want? Like yeah. I, know, I know, I know that they know better than us because they're the ones innovating. But I think if there's kind of more, like you know, they're looking at extending people's lives to eternity and reinventing the airport. And I think there's possibly more worthy causes. Can you name one? Or think about it? I don't know. challenge? I don't know. Are we going to go to our distributed controversial defense of death podcast, or are we saving that? We'll do it. We'll save that. <laughs> season premiere I... of season two. True. Yeah. Good point. Although that wouldn't really be tech. That would be more science. Do you guys think that Google's doing its necessary... Well, you Effort. mentioned here. You mentioned here that uh, you you were wondering out loud if these giant companies have responsibility to invest in humanitarian or philanthropic uh, enterprises. And I know Eric Schmidt, who was CEO but now isn't, but he's still involved with the company, does a lot of humanitarian stuff. And yeah. I'm I'm positive with the work that Larry Page does within Google that he's also putting a lot of his money into. Like, I mean, even stuff like Google Calico with the whole life extension thing, that's philanthropic and humanitarian, whatever whatever word you yeah. want to use. Like, that's yeah. very but good in, for society. In the same stroke, he downplays the seriousness of curing cancer. Yeah. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't heard his argument on that, but I probably in see all, where In all from. three articles I read, he there's a direct quote, at least they worded it as a direct quote, saying... Oh, cancer would only extend average life expectancy by three years, so it's not as big of a deal as people make it out to be. So, what what was the thing that would 
keep people living longer? Is is that what the whole Google Calico is about? They they were talking about improving people's quality of life in the ages aging disease realm, not terminal illness, cancer realm. I think that I kind of see where he's coming from with most cancers, but the fact that we now get up to, I mean, in the first world, life expectancy is above 80 now. And mm-hmm. most people die from cancer now because we've gotten rid of all, in the first world at least, we've gotten rid of all the sort of low-hanging fruit of death. And so when that guy comes out and says, I don't want to live past 75, we get it because, like, you, it's sort of the quality of life beyond that isn't necessarily high, even if we are alive past it. And not to say that it isn't for everyone, because there are lots of old yeah. people that still yeah. are super active. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Nick, but see, that's, that's kind of my point, though, is that... Yeah. I didn't actually hear the question. No, we can do a mini-chat about <laughs> in defense of death. Sweet. We'll just we'll grease people's wheels to come back for the next one. I don't know if grease their I'll wheels just is the... It's the term I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> their appetite? Fair enough. That also works. <laughs> so what do you, what do you think ahead, about Nick. this? Whole, yeah. Go on a two-minute mini rant about defense of death and that guy. Oh, actually defense of death? Like, not... Well... Just introduce, like, sweeten the... I know a lot of people are saying, you know, curing death is basically the holy grail, but, I mean, as a planet, we can't handle that kind of thing. Like, we just cannot sustain that many people, one. And two, I mean, based on all the reading I've done, a life past about 150 or so wouldn't be very... It, it wouldn't be a good one. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like just having to adapt to change for as long as we do already, and then saying, oh yeah, well, here's a couple more decades on that. I don't know. That's... Here's... Go on. Here's my take on the whole curing cancer versus extending life deal. Because you ask someone who's lived, you know, a long, full life, say the age of 70, 72, whatever, if you say, you know, if they're heading to the end, it's like they'll, they'll be happy with their life and they're okay to move on whenever the time comes, generally. You talk to someone who's diagnosed with cancer at whatever age, really, like, it doesn't have to be a 70-year-old, doesn't have to be a 12-year-old, but just any age, when you're diagnosed with a terminal illness, I think it generally always feels too soon. Or you, or you, it's just this big, ominous, like, what are you supposed to do with that kind of thing, right? Like, I know, it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem fair to just, like, say, oh, well, curing cancer is not as big of a deal as people make it out to be. Well, the whole thing about saying that you want to cure the cold or saying you want to cure cancer is a catch-all for something that's way more complicated than that. It's not one disease. It's not one virus. It's it's not one cancer. It's like a thousand different things that go wrong with the human body when it ages or when something goes wrong. 
it's it's hard to it's hard to cure cancer. We have actually taken huge steps to cure certain types of cancers, or to at least reduce them down to a point where they're manageable. But once you get that kind of like once your body has cancer, and, and Randall Monroe did a really good XKCD on this uh, because he was dealing with family cancer. Like once you have it, it's it's always a part of your life from the time you get it onwards, it's always pressing and it could, like the next day, it could always come back. Um, so I think I, I get where he's coming from when he says it's not a big, like he's not trying to, not trying to make cancer into less than it is. He's just saying there are higher priorities and there's work you could do that would benefit other diseases more than cancer would be benefited. But at least the way that the articles have been parsing his quote, it's like, well, it's only going to add an extra three years average life expectancy. So if you can extend life by 10 years doing something else, then it's more worth doing that than finding a cure for cancer. Right. You know, it but also but the, the end goal, the end... Sorry, go ahead. Like, like the end goal at least as I understand, isn't necessarily to... The reason to cure cancer isn't to extend the average life expectancy of a nation. It's to enrich and save the lives of people who are diagnosed with it. Would you... Because I know there are... Uh, when they're examining whether or not to do medical procedures, they will base it on the like quality of life years... So they'll say what's their quality of life going to be after this procedure, and then what's their expected, you know, extension of life kind of thing versus if they just don't have it. And yep. like maybe we'd be better to focus on increasing quality of life years over just the years themselves. Is that what you're trying to get at, Mike? I'm saying when you know a 15 year old is diagnosed with terminal cancer then you'd want to save that life more than an 80-year-old who wants to live 10 more years. Yeah. Just because he can. So I think I think what Larry Page is trying to get at, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but maybe this is my, my take on the whole topic, is that cancer is a disease that, if you can cure it, will come back to get you again in approximately, on average, for a whole country, three years. Whereas there are diseases that you can completely eradicate that would, on average, extend your life a lot longer because they're not as much of death sentences or at least death sort of pre-sentences as cancer. So I think the, the, the overall group health benefits of curing other diseases that maybe either affect younger people more, like they affect people of all ages the same, or... Like, when you're talking about averages, it's very important to consider that the country he's talking about is 300 million people. So if you're if you're dedicating your research to, to curing a type of cancer that affects an older person or it affects people that will get a lot of benefit out of uh, having the, this cancer cured, he's looking, he's thinking really big, and he's trying to say, if you can extend the lives of 300 million people on average... 10 years, as opposed to on average 3 years, you should go for that 10-year one. Okay. I guess maybe, yeah, if, if, it's, if it's people who aren't 
in their last 10 years of life and they're just extending it further, if it just happens to average out in the way that you're describing, then yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the way he meant it. Right, because I, I think that 10 years, I mean, you can you can split this up however you want, but 10 years for a 30-year-old is means a lot more than 10 years to an 80-year-old would. Right, that, that's, that's kind of exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think that it's it's very easy to spend hours talking about this, so maybe we should have an episode about it. <laughs> and we've talked about doing it as well, so maybe we will have an episode. Uh, if not... We could talk not, about it with Madison. Yeah, we could, we've wanted to do an episode on medicine for a while. We've wanted to do an episode on this for a couple weeks. Yeah. So uh, got lots of fodder for another chat, but uh, maybe we should stop it tonight. Get to bed. This is a this is a special episode in its compressed time frame. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna shoot for an hour and a quarter rather than an hour and a half. Exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. It, it it always pains me to do this because there's someone watching who's coming in and out. Although if it's Kaya waiting for you to be done, then <laughs> <laughs> it's Anything only quarter to eight. We still got time. Yeah, that's true. If I may, oh yeah, for her it's quarter to eight. Yeah. I also may briefly point out. Um, maybe you can go back and rewatch this. You'll notice I was petting the dog for mm-hmm. a while just now. After I put her down. In the background, you can see my door opening and closing. That's her, like, using nice. her nose to open and close the door. That's funny. I did see that previously <laughs> at one point. <laughs> That's, if you saw the door move, that was her, like, coming in and out. <laughs> All right, so, Nick, there's a chance you might not be here next week. It's entirely probable that I won't be here next week. If not for the next couple of weeks. We wish you well if you are not here, and we we uh, look forward to you completing your move out west. Oh wait, I forgot which week next week was. <laughs> we we'll have to figure out what we're gonna do Thanksgiving if we're gonna. Maybe we'll not. take a week off. Maybe yeah. It's the end of season. We want to take a week off, like the week after would be great for me to take off. But you know, we'll talk. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in that case, we'll see you guys in one to two weeks. Sounds good. All right. See you guys. All right. See you guys.